Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome in, everybody. It is your Sunday. Things I think I know about the Cleveland Browns edition, which is always a crossover under the OBR umbrella between All Eyes on Cleveland and Brad Ward and myself, Jake Burns, and the OBR Film Breakdown. I think we have a great show for you, and it, it centers around this idea that you probably, as a loyal listener of this podcast and as well as Brad's podcast, believe, which is that the we think we think we know, we think we think we know, God, that gets weirder every time, Brad, that the Cleveland Browns won free agency in the division. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to win the most games, although in, in all reality, that has to be the primary functional goal this year is to finally win the division. But we feel pretty confident in the fact that the Browns won at this stage, won the, the, the battle of team improvement. And that, you know, you go listen to a Pittsburgh podcast, a Cincy podcast, a Bal- well, probably not Baltimore, but those other two, they'll <laughs> probably agree. I think Baltimore's in flux, and we're going to talk about that. But I feel rather confident the Browns have done the best job of the division at getting better, improving their football team. And I'm here to talk with Brad Ward about that. Brad, what's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, it's a good topic tonight. Writing on that topic right now to read that tomorrow at the OBR. Uh, our, my AFC North reset. So this is good. This is perfect. Let's well, we're it. recording this uh, on Friday night. I'm once again leaving uh, for a portion of the weekend. So Brad was nice enough to link up I'm with me. Idiot. So these two teams, it's all good. This article will already be out. Uh, for it Brad will be out. Uh, over the weekend. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, and if anything has happened post 945 in the division, we're not including that in our discussion of uh, offseason moves right now because we would not know them. So just keep that in mind as you're listening to this. But we've got a full picture right now, and the Browns made another signing today in Marquise Goodwin. So we feel pretty good about it. Reminder of what the Browns have done uh, from the top. Ethan Postage they brought back, three years, $18 million. Uh, Obania Okoronkwo they brought in uh, along the edge to go opposite miles, three years, 22. Dalvin Tomlinson, four years, 57. Juan Thornhill, three years, 21. They signed a vet minimum deal with some a little more guaranteed for Tristan Hill um, on a one-year deal. Uh, that indicates a little more faith that they believe he could be a player for them. Jordan Aikens, a tight end, which I'm telling you so far, Brad, fun study. Uh, yeah. At tight end, brought him in two years, uh, five million ish uh, guaranteed. Pretty much most of that contract, so they believe he's going to be here. Very low risk, one year, very minimal guaranteed offer to Maurice Hurst, and then um, they brought in Matthew Adams, the linebacker from the Bears special teams. Mike Ford, the corner from Atlanta special teams angle, and we'll cover all of those uh, film rooms from guys you haven't seen. We posted Elijah Moore today, which is the second to last edition here of the off season. Swapping back 42 to 74 to get Elijah Moore. Uh, that again, that film room is available on Friday, but you'd be able to find that over the weekend if you did not get a chance to look at that. That's for OBR subscribers, that film room. And then today they went out and signed Marquise Goodwin, another speedy wide receiver to lift the basement of that group and provide solid veteran depth. And again, you will get a bit more. Um, uh, if you haven't listened to it, I'm gonna I'm gonna post on Saturday a little bit about um, some of what I think of Elijah or sorry. Um, Marquis Goodwin in that signing and what he brings. A lot of film to watch on him, but preliminarily thoughts on that. So that's what the Browns have done, Brad. Uh, um, and it looks like PFF has said this is one of the best free agent class uh, classes of the entire NFL. They gave them at the time an A minus. They gained 1.475 PFF WAR. The best signing addition that they have is Tomlinson. Not surprised by that. Right. Um, but they liked uh, almost all of them. The only losses they noted here, Chase Winovich, Jacoby Brissett, 
Are we missing any on that? Uh, who they've lost? I don't think Dearness so. Johnson. Okay, and it seems like Kareem Hunt is going to not. There's nothing there. I yeah. don't know if he's going to even be in the NFL at this point. Is some of these veteran backs who have clearly lost a step, such as Ezekiel Elliott, are they're just you know chasing scrap heaps like stuff right now? It's pretty sad, actually. Um, so yeah, not much lost, but a lot gained here. A, a lot of improved aspects of this football team that we should all be pretty excited about. But the goal here, Brad, is to go around the division and look at the other teams. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals are clearly the team having the most success. They're winning the division. They've made a Super Bowl trip, but they got hurt. Talk to us about what has come in and out of the Bengals this year, and then we'll talk through what we think the results are. And we also like to kind of address what we think these teams will do in the draft, too. Yeah, so the Bengals take their biggest hit at safety. Obviously, Jesse Bates, Von Bell both uh, hit the open market, gone, right? Uh, And um, surprisingly, it looked like Jermaine Pratt was going to be out the door too, Jake, but uh, they uh, smartly, I I believe, uh, re-signed him. Kind of surprisingly, I think most Bengals fans had... uh, you know, kind of given up on the idea that they were going to retain him, but they were able to keep him. Um, and uh, their other own, their other big move, really, you know, they saw Hayden Hurst go. Uh, they saw uh, Samaje Pirine go to the Broncos. Um, so they they lost a lot on the offensive side and the defensive side. And, and all they really done is, um, you know, they brought in Nick Scott, who's a young safety, right? Uh, to fill one of those spots, I, I think they're going to depend on, uh, I think his name is Dax Hill, right? The other kid they're going to depend yeah. on back yeah, there. I like him. They got him in on Michigan. Very good athlete. Yeah. So they've drafted a year ahead and did a pretty nice job of having Developing. some replacements ready to go in Dax. Uh, you know, he kind of floated around, played different spots, versatile player. The Nick Scott one is who they're going to be banking on, right? So um, Nick yeah. was with the Rams and had some success. Not great in coverage, but... Um, you know, neither was Von Bell, and they're going to try to work around that the best they can. But yeah, it's uh, it's actually not as bad in the secondary as I thought it was. They they clearly lost depth, but um, you know they they've got some angles here to replace that, and I'm sure they'll attack that a little bit in the draft too. Yeah, and then they they, they keep their kind of leader there in Pratt uh, and Michael Thomas uh, is re- retained retained. Pardon me, uh, English. Um, and then, you know, Orlando Brown is the big move, right? So uh, they're going to give up on Will- Jonah, right, Williams? I it guess. appears that and- way. There's some there's some buzz that by bringing in Brown the way they did, paying him and ensuring he's going to play left tackle, that yeah. has set Jonah Williams, their former first-round pick in 2019, <laughs> to a spiral of a decision of he wants to be traded. So right. who knows if that is something they'll end up honoring. Uh, it sounds like they're they're – their discussions going on to try to, to to try to move him. I mean, I've enjoyed his time in Cincinnati because we've you know when the Browns have played them, eaten <laughs> them alive. But yeah, that does create another hole, right? Like they have Lael Collins, I think, still, but he was he was I mean, it was the huge offseason acquisition last year for them, and he yes. was terrible. He was really really bad. But yeah, I mean, they got guys like Jackson Carmen that they drafted in the second round in twenty one, Max Sharping that they brought brought back. Um, they're you know, trying got some guys, but um, they also brought in Cody Ford, uh, the, yeah. the the failed guard in Buffalo, who I don't know, I guess maybe they'll give him a chance to play some tackle again. But yeah, yeah, they want him to win the right tackle spot. It feels like and then they give the big contract. I mean, 
it's not that big, but you know, 16 million, anytime you're giving somebody, you know, $16 million a year, I know it's left tackle. So I guess it's not really that much, but you know, it looks big on the surface. Is there a big signing for your $64 million? Right. So, um, to, uh, uh, Brown and the, the weird thing about it is many would kind of say like, did you really need to do that? I think probably people in Cincinnati probably think they did, but I don't know how much it solves, Jake. And this is kind of like the mystery around uh, around their big move, right? Like great run blocker, but struggles kind of in pass protection. And, and uh, I don't know how much that solves for them. I, I don't know either. I mean, the bar is pretty low as far as <laughs> uh, the true. performance of Bengals offensive linemen over the past few years, and they've been able to over overcome it. So I think he's a level above what they've seen. I don't know that you can sit here and be like, well, he's one of the best tackles in the game. And I don't think there are people over there, the smart, some of the smarter people who cover that team think that either, but they do view him as a, he's a good football player. Like he's just good. Yeah. He's, he's good. He's not great. He's not elite, but he's good. And they don't need him to be great with Burrow because typically the football gets out pretty quick. So I think it's a fine decision for them. I think that where it becomes even a little bit troublesome to me is that like they this decision was supposed to bolster what they had, and that decision has pissed off Jonah Williams to the point of wanting to be moved. And you know Williams hasn't been great, but he's been fine-ish at times. And like losing a talented player like that and creating again another hole at the right tackle position is not exactly what Cincinnati should be excited about. So I mean, offensive line remains a plausible thing that they could take in this draft. I think that yep. one stands out to me, Brad. I think if you look at tight end is a, is just a mystery. They, they've they been in on some tight ends throughout the free agency circuit, but they've never really uh, been close as, as close as someone think to signing some. And I know that a lot of their folks were interested in like Foster Moreau, but then he had this terrible um, yeah, it's you know, unfortunate. lymphoma uh, situation. Yeah. So he's not going to be playing for a while as he beats that. I'm sure he will. He's a tough SOB. Uh, but the tight end spot is Devin Asiasi, Tanner Hudson, and Nick Bowers. The unfortunate thing is, like, in the first two rounds, there's so many good tight ends. I mean, you got Michael Mayer right. and Darnell Washington and and uh, Dalton Kincaid, among among several others. Like, they'll fill that tight end role in the draft. And I'm actually impressed that they didn't go out and force that signing for somebody at that position because they, they're a huge 11 personnel team, something I aspire Cleveland to get to. And Cleveland continues to show you they're going in that direction based on decisions they're making here. Um, but yeah, there's that, that's the gaping hole that stands out to me. I mean, they could look to then lose much up front. Like you said, bringing back Pratt, they still have Hendrickson, uh, BJ Hill, DJ reader, Sam Hubbard. There's not much to they'll draft somebody up front. I think Brad, but they won't force anything there. They could take a safety a little earlier than we think. They still have Cheetah Bay Wuzier, who's a right fine corner. They still uh, like Cam Taylor Britt, the Nebraska kid that they brought in the mm -hmm. second round last year. They still have Mike Hilton. He's a very nice nickel corner. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the, the, the spots I see are still offensive line early and tight end very early. So that's where I think the Bengals are. So I don't know that the Bengals got worse. Uh, they give them an A- minus as well as as the Browns PFF does. I, I don't know that I would give I'd give them more B plus. I think that if they had yeah. gotten a little better tackle than Orlando Brown, um, like an elite version of that, like maybe like a Lyle Collins in a trade or something along those lines, um, you know, uh, or Armstead the year before, I think went to Miami. That would be like the type of player I'd really want. But um, they, they actually, and if you're trying to be like, well, the Browns and Bengals both got an A minus, you can't say, well, the Browns gained 1.475 war and the Bengals gained uh, 0 0.89. So the Browns, by definition of how they view 
wins above replacement did better here, but we'll see. You got to add the draft as a part of this too. So we'll revisit after the draft and look at what they added. But yeah, I mean, the Bengals are fine, but you can see where some things are going to start catching up with them. Losing those two safeties is a big deal, Brad, right? Like that, that matters. We'll see if they're able to seamlessly replace them and they got to solve tight end and they're getting ever so close to some pretty big contracts and decisions on guys like T Higgins and some others, right? Yeah. It feels like the last year, maybe that Chase and Higgins are together. Maybe, uh, I'm hoping, but Very it feels well like be. that a little bit, a little yep. bit. Um, and, uh, but to your point, like as far as the grades go, like I get why they get an A minus, although the Browns did much, much more. They had more to do, I think like, and where the Bengals are compared to the Browns where they just kind of needed to tweak some things and continue to, you know, keep the roster build steady while letting some guys go out the door, I think they have kind of handled that pretty well. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. yeah, they've done they, the the core of the Bengals is in place. They just need to figure out a couple pieces to that puzzle, right? Where the Browns are trying to put in a lot of new puzzle pieces that needed to be added. Exactly, bigger, chunkier yeah. puzzle pieces. But again, I think the Browns have done a really nice job of that. So um, close. The Bengals, I think, are the other team that has done the closest uh, in this portion of the early off season. But yeah. Um, I, th- I still think Cleveland's done a little better. Uh, yeah. Baltimore is where we switch to now. And, you know, it's mm. I, I'll never feel sorry for Baltimore ever, but Mm-mm. it is they're in a weird spot, right? The quarterback pause they're in because of whether they're going to be able to end up keeping Lamar on the transition tag. Uh, sorry, it's not the transition tag. It is the non-exclusive tag at 32 mm-hmm. and some change has halted everything. It's halted the interest of other free agents. It's halted their ability to willfully use some of their cap like the pff write-up of the team doesn't even have any (laughs) write-up of anything it has Mm -mm. what they've done which they added today the first player they have added is nelson aguilar as they are really bad in the wide receiver position right now so aguilar is a very welcome um welcome addition for them (laughs) they uh um and that's saying something is it's like Rashad Bateman who hopefully can stay healthy who we think is really talented I think he's talented he's got to stay healthy but then it's like Devin Duvernay and Tylen Wallace and Andy Isabella and you know, James Prochet I mean it's it's bleak man it's really bleak and they have the old Bengals Mike Thomas the wide receiver not the Michael Thomas safety we just talked about and then there's also a Mike Thomas that we know from the Ohio State version <laughs> The NFL is a ton of Mike Thomases. Uh, they do get that out there. But anyway, yeah, I mean, like looking at the Ravens roster, they re-signed Trayvon Mullen. The, the 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 they have him listed as a safety. Some places lift him as list him as a corner. I don't know what's the true position of that uh, failed draft pick. Uh, the, he's just been brought back around. <laughs> Justice Hill, Lamar Jackson, Geno Stone, who I liked, didn't hit the market. Um, re-signed him. They lost Calais Campbell, guard Ben Powers. Josh Oliver got a decent deal, and then they traded away Chuck Clark. So, you know, they have Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams, but they used Kyle Hamilton in a bit more of a creative way as a third DB um, in those bigger safety looks. Now, Chuck Clark is is out, out elsewhere, so I don't know if they'll bring in another safety of some kind. Um, the corner position is a spot that I look at, Brad, and say – you know, they have Marlon Humphrey, who's phenomenal, but then they lost Marcus Peters and they never replaced him. It was that that thought that they could. Who is it that they were? Darius Slay, right? Darius Slay was a potential fit there, but yeah, it, it, it didn't, not, it it didn't work like out. It looked like he was going to leave and it never happened. Yeah. 
it's it's pretty bleak, man. It's pretty bleak. I, I mean, what's your thoughts on this whole Baltimore situation? Then we'll talk about where they might draft some people here. I just don't know. Man, it's a tough spot, man. It, I don't. They can't do anything, right? Uh, yeah. Really, I mean, they did Aguilar, but because uh, you don't know what style of quarterback you're going to have, you don't know if it's going to be Jackson. Plus, if you have to, if somebody does sign an offer sheet, you know, you you want to be able to match it, so you don't really want to spend any money that that can restrict you from doing that. It's just. Um, the way they've gone about this is is put them in this position. I mean, they really have nobody to blame but themselves at this point uh, for mm-hmm. being in this position um, because they're kind of trying to get one over on on Jackson, right? Like you know, with the non exclusive tag, but at the same time, they've kind of handcuffed themselves. So, uh, I, to your point, like I think their roster will be okay. Like. I think they'll still be able to put something together once this is all shakes out, right? Like they'll still be competitive, no, no matter what, you know, as long as Jackson is around. Um, but I really don't know. It feels like the draft is a big, like, um, a big, uh, a big moment in what happens with this contract, right? And yeah. um, what happens with the Ravens, like. It feels like I don't know somebody out there could sign him to an offer sheet and try to you know front load it to force the Ravens off of it. Um, I don't know if that'll happen or not. Or it'll be really weird, Jake, if nobody even tries to sign him to an offer sheet and he just goes back. And then what does he do? Is he going to agree to play on a, a twelve million dollar less contract than you should actually be getting? Because the Ravens, you know what looks like collusion if it's if it is or it isn't um will he sit out a year i don't know he's not going to be happy though either way so this is just one big mess the ravens are 49 and 21 all time with him starting uh four and eight when he doesn't start with him or when he doesn't play a quarterback so um they if he doesn't him. play if he doesn't if that something happens where he doesn't play whether that's he gets moved traded which it still feels to me like he does not want to be there um they're right. they're not they're not they're not in good shape like they're a six to eight win team they're, they're not D- good doesn't it feel like to you jake like a little bit like um this non-exclusive tag is like negotiating in bad faith a little bit it it does like- in a sense i feel like they there is a yeah well what it tells me if they were like we're keeping this guy no matter what they would have exclusived him and paid him 45 or whatever right. it was. Yeah. It feels like they're challenging him. It was a win-win for Baltimore because they feel like he won't get that money on the market. So they're challenging him and going out and saying, "Hey man, other teams had the opportunity to sign you even though it's not that easy." Right? It's not that easy because teams have well, to commit a large portion of cap yeah, especially like right now, like yeah. it, it, the timing right in free agency week. If you put it on the offer sheet, it sits on your books. You can't sign anybody yeah. else. Just like you'd exactly. be in the same situation the Ravens are in. And nobody, nobody wants, wants to do that. Yeah, correct. So it's trickier than that, but that's the bad faith part of it. Right. And then if they do like finagle the whole situation, they get to keep them for $13 million less. And that is. That's probably a seems... win in their books, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't like where any of it's headed, but there also might be no other solution. <laughs> if nobody else is going to pursue him, he could sit out, sure, but 
that's $32 million you're still leaving on the table, man. So it's tricky. He's not a top 10 pick. He was picked 32. It's not, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that he can just set that money aside and go on. Right. So they, they get a C minus, and I think that's being pretty generous because I don't know. They have not gotten better. Now, they could in the draft. To me, they did lose Calais Campbell, but they're still between Matabuke, Michael Pierce, and guys like Odafe Owe and Tyus Bowser. They're good enough up front. You know, they still have Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith coming back, a couple safeties, but the corner spot outside of Humphrey is it's uh, it's bleak. So as we talked about um, – we're going to talk about Pittsburgh, who I also think needs a corner in a minute. But this is a team that is a prime time corner candidate team, and they and 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 this is no longer, um, you know, who's the former offensive coordinator there? I'm blanking on what I want to talk about. They brought in Todd Monken, so this is a completely different offense than what they were running before, and and that to me means you have to they have to get better at wide receiver. They've got to. I know it's not a home run draft as the last two were for wide receiver, but. They've got to get right. one at some point. So, uh, and they don't have a ton of picks. They only have what, like, si- they only have six picks in this one. So, um, there's five, I believe. Is it only five? Five. Yeah, they have I'm picked twenty-two, sure. I think, but then they only have five total picks. Because yeah, they moved their it. second round pick for Roquan, I believe, right? Yep. So that is um, a thing to keep an eye on as well. The uh, our lads lists for them as needs corner wide receiver and quarterback which i would agree uh with that so yes all right uh i think i think baltimore's in the worst shape of the division so yeah they justifiably get a c minus and we'll see what happens there pittsburgh's up next before we get to pittsburgh though quick break word from our sponsors we will be right back steelers brad talk to us about what they did because there's you know some good and some bad here yeah so it feels like you know, new era for them, right? So uh, they are gonna. This is their first uh, off season, not headed up by um, Kevin Colbert since 1999, Jake. So uh, Omar Khan, longtime right hand man to Kevin Colbert, and uh, they brought in the former Eagles assistant Andy. Weidel, I hope I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, are and they're running the off season, and it, that effect uh, was felt right away as they go to bolster their offensive line, and they bring in two offensive linemen uh, from the Eagles. Right, her uh, her big uh, mm-hmm. six six three thirty four, uh, big presence there, um, and then they bring in uh, this Isaac uh, Sayumalu Sayumalu. Yep, Isaac um, Cimolo. He's a nice player. A lot of injury issues in his past, yeah, but if he stays yeah. healthy like he did last year in Philly, a nice player. So he will uh, attempt to replace Kevin Dotson at left guard, it says here, or that's what I have down, and uh, Herbig will uh, replace somebody else uh, over there. So uh, the other guard position, I think, right? Um, yeah, so. they have like they have like James Daniels. Yep. Who they brought in from Chicago. They also have Kevin Dotson, yep. who's been around That's what it fourth is. round Dan- pick Daniels. from there from a few years back. They also, have, I mean, they've had some weird things here. Like they kind of like Kendra Green they drafted in the third mm-hmm. round in 2021, and he hasn't panned out. They still have listed Dan Moore as their left tackle. Their right tackle still uh, Chuck Chuck Sakorafor, who was the third round pick in 2018. But th- that I mean, there's some names to like on the interior. Cole Mason plays center, but or sorry, Mason Cole plays center. 
Yeah, there's not the tackle spot is a, is a is a very like their number one need is is definitely offensive line to me. Yeah, so so they go interior here. So you know, ideally they want Herberg Herbig to uh, take uh, Daniel's job and uh, say Amalu to take Dotson's job, and then they you know they're better up the middle. Uh, defensively, they keep Ogunjobi, uh, sign him to a three year deal that. He didn't have a great year last year, one and a half sacks, uh, nothing outstanding, but I think they think that he can be better than that, um, which there's some question to, right? Because, you know, it was kind of a prove-it deal last year, and he semi-proved it, and they gave him a three-year deal anyways. Maybe they didn't Mm -hmm. think they could do any better or whatever. So that's kind of a weird contract there, but, you know, he's been good throughout his career. So, um, And then they had to replace Miles Jack, and of course, their miss on Devin Bush there at, at linebacker, right? Two two linebackers. Jack, uh, they had to replace 104 tackles from him as he was good last year uh, in his one year with them, right? So uh, they bring in a Landon Roberts, uh, as you mentioned, is a bit of a thumper there up the middle. And uh, Cole, what's his name? Holcomb? Cole Holcomb, yeah. So they've reshaped their linebacker room. I don't think anybody over there would tell you they liked what Miles Jack and Devin Bush gave them um but mm-hmm. again cole holcomb is fine and and i think a roberts is limited but is no different than like they lost robert spillane as well who's a guy who played for yes. them a lot pretty yeah. similar types not great coverage players but can fill run right. fits it feels like a lot of what pittsburgh wanted to do was fix run defense which has been a bit of a problem for them um over the last few years so take that for what it's worth keep going yeah I mean, there's a clear kind of emphasis uh, from them, pardon me, on the line of scrimmage, um, running the ball and stopping the run. Like, it feels like this was kind of like a throwback offseason for them. Like, they wanted to get back to, like, Steeler football, like, at its core. We want to be really good on the offensive line, or better, at least, on the offensive line. The one big thing they have to replace, and they'll try to do it, like I think you mentioned with uh, Casey, who I think... I actually liked – he was a free agent and they re-signed him. Uh, I actually liked his potential third uh, safety option for the Browns at one point. But um, mm-hmm. he will, uh, I guess, try to replace uh, Terrell Edmonds, which is a big key piece that they lose on the back end and, and they have not uh, been able to uh, replace. The other switching out is they lose Cam Sutton, which is he's a super valuable player. And they bring in Patrick Peterson on a uh, two-year deal. It's basically a one-year deal. Now, he's 32 years old uh, and is coming off of a really good year. But if you dive into the numbers, as I was here in my article here, they, you know, over in, you know, uh, he was in Minnesota, uh, 76% of the time in zone, uh, 12th highest percentage of any cornerback in the league. Uh, and uh, for a 32-year-old, I'm sure working in that zone-heavy scheme helps, right? So he finished with the fifth-highest war among cornerbacks. Now, three years before that, 54th, 73rd, and 53rd, so maybe a bit of a mm-hmm. uh, a one-off here and uh, got him signed to a nice little deal. Uh, because of it, I don't know if uh, the Steelers run that much zone or if he'll fit or what, but it, it feels like maybe a little bit of a force there. It feels like a Mike Tomlin signing. He likes Patrick Peterson, the person, and I think they can get yeah. a Joe Hayden like veteran run out of him. Character so not, signing, yeah, yeah, not 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 a uh, totally uncommon thing for Pittsburgh to take a swing on. But 
I mean, they have got to solve nickel, their their corner situation. They continue to try to band-aid that. They don't draft any young corners that matter. Like they just they if you look at it, Levi Wallace, they got from Buffalo, I think on a free agent deal is their other projected right now starting corner. They signed James Pierre. Like, okay. Like he's very much a jag. Akilo Weatherspoon came over <laughs> from Seattle. Like they don't invest in that position, which is kind of amazing to me. So if they go through this draft, and I know following some of their people, they're very much into this corner class. Um, you know, so they they should they should go out and address that. And I imagine they will. They should swing on one of those. So I mean, offensive line and corner are the two positions that stand out to me, and they have two premium picks to do it. Uh, they mm-hmm. have that Bears pick that they swapped out for Chase Claypool, which will be at the top of the second round. And they have their own pick, which I don't know. What is it? Do you know it off the top of your head? It should be in the teens, right? Yeah, um, I believe it's uh, – I could be 15, wrong. I thought it was like 18 or 19 maybe, or maybe it's lower okay. than that. I don't know. Yeah, their, their season uh, ended up finishing uh, on a higher note. So, yeah, they, they've got some clear deficiencies. They, they'll probably draft another wide receiver as I don't really see a clear-cut third guy. I mean, Pickens and Deontay Johnson are a strong top two, but they don't have a, a real feels third like they need a player. slot guy, maybe. Yeah. Uh, they have took a Calvin guy, Austin in the Calvin fourth Austin, round last year. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But again, I don't, I mean, how much do they like him? And it's a good draft to take somebody in that same range again. So maybe they'll take another swing. But if they come out of this draft's first three picks without a tackle in a corner, I'll be pretty stunned. Uh, that's just the clear defined need for the organization there. They get a B plus from PFF, uh, an addition of 0.538 war gained. Um, you know, it's, it's fine. They've done okay. They haven't, in, in my opinion, I haven't seen Pittsburgh sign anybody where I'm like, that's a yeah. scary signing. Don't want to see him, you know? So they will so, continue to thrive on like tradition and, and winning culture that they continue <laughs> to have there. And Mike Tomlin takes it, brings it yeah. to them, but everything for them, much like Cleveland, they have a mystery. I mean, Deshaun is not the mystery that, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett is here, uh, but everything for them rides on Kenny Pickett cleaning up a lot like, of his messes last year and getting better. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like we've seen Pickett be be good at times. Like, and and then I feel like we've seen, it, seen him be a bit of a slap ass at times. So I don't know whether, you know, I don't know. If I'm not afraid really of Kenny is. Pickett. Yeah, I, I'm I not afraid of him either, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. just like I don't know if he's going to be good enough over the long term that they're going to stick with him. Uh, what we is, want, Brad, and we've said this with John Colosimo when I've had on my show many times. You said we it want, to me too. Yeah. We, we want them to be as confused about Kenny Pickett as possible. Yeah, draw we that out. I want more. Kenny to have flashes. I want him to have these flashes that make him think he's great, and then he struggles. Yeah, we want them to go through four years of the is this quarterback good. Right. right. So the thing every offseason cool. should be like, well, you know what? You know what we really need? We need to see more Kenny Pickett and determine yeah, what yeah. he really is. Kind of like Without what a doubt. we did for years with different quarterbacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> the truth, man. It, so this is a paragraph from my uh, article here, and I'll just read it real quick. But it, I think it kind of sums up their strategy. And I already mentioned a little bit of the throwback to the line of scrimmage, but they did some other stuff too. But. Um, the Steelers have signed quality veterans at a low cost, uh, along with um, boosting their squad in the short term. The strategy could help Pittsburgh prolong the contracts of its young offensive players, which include Pickett, Pickens, Harris, and Fryermuth, which feels like they don't want to spend too much because they think that's their core. 
Makes sense Would to me. That's who they've that? drafted. That's who they've invested in. I think that Pickens, uh, if he continues to stay on the straight and narrow, super talented player. Um, you know, Najee Harris. I hope they keep paying Harris. I don't. Again, I think he's good ish, but not afraid of him. So, yeah, keep that up, and then keep not, keep seeing all you need of Kenny Pickett. So, you know, yeah, not afraid of that core either. But no, it feels like that's no. what they think is their I agree. their future on offense. Yeah. And they should. They've drafted and invested in those guys, so yeah. that should be the angle that they're taking. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely year two for every quarterback is wildly important. Think back to how high we were on Baker Mayfield going into year mm-hmm. two and then what we saw in uh, in year two. I was pretty surprised they stuck with Matt Canada, the, the offensive coordinator. We'll see if that ends up working out uh, for them. But, yeah, we'll revisit these. Brad and I will get together at some point in the offseason uh, over the summer and see the full draft you know, because there's still a lot of time to sign guys, you know, fringe players to help bolster the depth of positions. And then obviously the draft is huge. So we'll revisit these. But I think it's a fun exercise through two weeks, really two weeks of teams morphing their team for the first time in 23 to to look across the division and see if the Browns did uh, well. And I think they did well. And I think they did well compared to the rest of the league um, that we might touch on those at some point around teams in the AFC did. Um, so on and so forth. But I think the Browns did as well as anybody in the NFL in this free agency period, considering what they had and what they needed. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, to the point of this, this uh, episode by far better than, than all all these other teams in in the division by, by far, very much agree as far as uh, signing, as far as improvement goes, I I don't think it's Mm -hmm. even close. So, yeah, it's not to say the teams are better. We're not judging teams. We're just judging yeah. what they did, like how they players they brought in and Im- improvements to the roster at hand. It's not saying, oh, the Browns have a better roster than the Bengals now. We're not doing that. We're just saying this yeah. free agency period they they did is uh, better than anyone across the division. Now, you know, print the offseason champs T-shirts back to back, blah blah blah. That's all the, the running <laughs> jokes. So uh, we're keeping Tri- that perpetuated, right? So back to back offseason champs so far yeah. here. But yeah, overall good three stuff. Pe- Brad, anything else? Pe- uh, no, pe- yeah, anything else to close on this thing? No, I'm good. Uh, so far, so good. And uh, you know, I I hope they I hope they make like one more move, the Browns, but. Yeah. Just give I'll us a one more for another uh, defensive show. lineman. Defensive yeah. lineman with Maybe a little inside out or... versatility. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah, that. There's a lot of edge perfect. guys they could sign. A lot of edge perfect. guys. The D tackle group's getting a little dwindled. Um, Ionitis seems to be like the yeah. apple of everybody's eye. Um Sean Harris still is out, out there? there too. Yeah. There's there's answers. I hope they I hope they go get one. We'll see. Um yeah. anyway, listen, fun episode for Brad for me. The OBR, continue to check out stuff over the weekend. Brad, like we said here, is going to put out his thorough article that is uh, already out at the OBR if you're listening to this on Sunday. So go back and check out the written word. Um, Over the weekend here, I'm trying to post a film room on um, snaps that caught the Browns' eye and why they would go out and sign Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst. So I put together some this is what caught their eye stuff for you guys. That'll be out Saturday. So check that out if you missed it. And then a Sunday Jordan Aikens uh, review uh, will be available for you as well. So check out that stuff over the weekend. Like I said, again, have a great weekend, everybody. Hopefully it's uh, been good for you to this point and um, a great Sunday. And Brad and I will be back with more coverage next week. So check us out. Thanks for being here. Go Browns.